Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, August 24th. There was a clear-cut theme that emerged in all the results we saw today across both Cleveland and Winston-Salem. Who wants it more? With the U.S. Open now less than five days away, all these players still on site at an event. They have to travel to New York. You imagine all of them want to get at least two practice sessions in to try and grow accustomed, acclimated to the conditions there. You got to really want it if you're willing to suffer, play these next couple of days, try to make that quick turnaround, find success at the year's final major We certainly saw that theme in spades in the results we were dealt from Cleveland, whether it was the grit of Sarah Ceribes, Tormo, and Tatiana Maria. Oh my God, both of them just, they want to win. They value titles. They're trying to rack up points. Who cares about next week? They're focused on the here and now. I was so impressed by each of their performances. Obviously, want to break those down for you all today. Now, I didn't get to see Ekaterina Alexandrova, but what, 7-5, 7-6 in the third? I think that tells its own story as a scoreline. Our final match, Ju Lin, we'll get into her performance. God, was it gritty in knocking out Caroline Garcia in straight sets. Was a really fun day in Cleveland. I was courtside for three of the four matches. That's where I want to start tonight's show, break down all of that action. Obviously, Winston-Salem's happening as well, and I got to watch the highlights of the matches that were completed. Now, it's worth noting, I believe they had some rain there today, so as of 10, 12 p.m., George hadn't played Sarundalo, Laszlo, Jura. I'm blanking on who he's playing, but that quarterfinal match still to come as well. Oh, I think he's playing Sebastian Baez, as a matter of fact. Um, So that's a fun one. I got to get some sleep. We got championship weekend coming up. Semi-final action in singles and doubles tomorrow. Championship Saturday as well. My parents, older brother, grandma are all going to be in town for the event here in Cleveland. So I'm going to get some rest. Didn't want to leave you all hanging, though. Want to talk Cleveland. Want to talk Winston-Salem. Here's the good news. It's good and bad news, I suppose, for you Cracked Rackets listeners. I'm well aware. U.S. Open qualifying, it's rocking and rolling. I have not yet had the opportunity to catch up in the way I need to to properly discuss everything that has happened. We don't start until 2.30 p.m. tomorrow in Cleveland. I will have plenty of time to catch up on everything. I can also guarantee the podcast is locked in. We'll have our first guest. We'll have our first two guests, actually, offering you all some U.S. Open preview content on the Great Shot podcast feed. That's the perk of a 2.30 p.m. start in Cleveland tomorrow. We're going to get to play some catch-up here at Cracked Rackets. That said, again, can't leave you high and dry without a podcast, so here's a mini-break episode recapping all of Thursday's action across our two ATP and WTA Tour-level events. Of course, a shout-out, as always, to our dear friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. A shout-out, as well, to our friends in Oklahoma. And we are going to work an exhibition event for the Oklahoma Tennis Foundation. I believe it's the week after the uh, U.S. Open concludes, the week after my cousin's Julia's bat mitzvah as well. It was very good that those two things didn't overlap. That's a tangent for a different time. We are so excited to get down there for this exhibition event. It's a team-style shootout. We got plenty more details to come. We're going to talk about it more, but I wanted to put it on your radar now. I know oftentimes there's that lull the week after a major happens. Not the case for us here at Cracked Rackets. Once the U.S. Open is done, we're headed to Oklahoma. 
I'm not going to say what it is yet, but we'll have college tennis coverage the very next week. We're rolling. We have a fun fall ahead. And again, a massive shout out to the Oklahoma Tennis Foundation, the entire team there. It would take too long. I mean, I can't name everyone because then this podcast will ultimately be two hours long. And like I said, I'm trying to get some rest today. So wanted to put it on your radar. We're going to have a lot of great coverage coming up on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. A lot of great streams. So if you're not already, please go subscribe. Dalton does not ask me for anything. He gives me carte blanche from a content perspective. Here's a little behind-the-curtains look at Cracked Rackets. Literally, Dalton, all I have to do to Dalton is say, hey, I want to try to do something, and somehow that man makes it happen. That's why it is always a pleasure, even when we scream at each other. We don't actually scream at each other, but even when we disagree on something, it's always a pleasure because we have the same goal in sight. All of that is to say, you know, again, he doesn't mess with the content. He doesn't give me any edicts. He did ask, can you please ask the mini break subscribers to go subscribe to our YouTube channel? Because apparently YouTube is where the advertisements are at, my friends. And we're going to start doing more video content coming as well. Might as well record these podcasts on video. I'm doing them every day. I think it would probably be good for my hygiene. Not that I have bad hygiene, but it would just be good for me as a human, to have to be on camera every day because it forces you to spiffy up to stay fit, which is something I like to do. Anyways, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Like, rate, subscribe, review this podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast, Great Shot Podcast, The Breakpoint Show, which we do with our dear friend Gil Gross. I was on his Monday Match Analysis recently as well, so shout out to him. A lot of cool things happening at Crack Rackets. Appreciate all of you who have already subscribed, but if you haven't, please do. It just helps us keep going here. And with that in mind, let's move into Thursday's action. Here's what's going on. Who wanted it most? That's the question I want to answer as we look at Thursday's action. And again, I got to start in Cleveland. That's where I am. I have a courtside view at everything that unfolds on center court throughout the course of the day. I've said it all week long. Sam Duvall, Kyle Ross, Alex Guthrie, James Palco, Ben Last name unknown. Sorry, Ben. Um, I could go on and on. Epong, our dear friend who I believe is now, a top, if not a top-notch full-time employee, he's part of the team brought in this week. He's staying with me and Westoff in the Airbnb. He has to hear me podcast every night. Shout out to him for putting up with it. The countless volunteers, people in the crowd, you've all been so loving. It makes this week so special to me. And it's my mom's birthday tomorrow. So she gets to come out watch the event. It's a really cool thing. You know, again, she's like, that's my son. And uh, I'm happy I can give that to her. So because I'm not giving her grandkids anytime soon, that's a topic for another time. Let's talk about the tennis. Shout out to Cleveland for having us. Let's talk about what we saw unfold today. Again, we ha- we've had rain the past two days, so we had to be malleable, moving matches to certain courts um, over the past day or today's schedule got a little funky. All that is to say, I was really looking forward to Wang Xinyu, Ekaterina Alexandrova, part two. Wang Xinyu knocking out Alexandrova when the two faced off in Indian Wells. Alexandrova did not let that happen today. Five seven six love seven five. She knocks out the 21-year-old from China. Now, it was a great week for Wang Xinyu, who again, I, I talked about her on Tuesday. Her forehand is a weapon. Now, I'm not sure it's a Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club sort of weapon, but it's a real weapon. How well she holds her ground, how well she places that forehand, her willingness and eagerness to move forward and be the aggressor. Love her mindset. 
you know, still looking for, I suppose, that signature slam run out of the 21-year-old. But after this week, she's up to a new career high, number 53 in the live rankings. And for a 21-year-old to be top 50, that's where you want to be. Again, you look for Wang Xinyu uh, so far this season, what, 23 and 19 now overall coming out of this event. And, you know, comes through qualifying now, reaches her third quarterfinal of the year at the tour level, sixth overall tour level quarterfinal. It actually might be her fourth tour level quarterfinal of the season. Joaquin Hobart, the grass courts, and now here this week in Cleveland. But four quarterfinals is how what gets you into the top 50 mix. You're playing over 500 ball. You're going to continue to progress up the rankings a little more slowly than you would like, but certainly continue to progress. That's what she has done. That forehand is for sure a top 50 weapon. And again, it's her ability to play points on her terms. It's a top 50 skill that she has. Good week for her. That's my final synopsis. Um, but look, ECAT. ECAT's been balling. Like, when Ekaterina Alexandrova is healthy, she, in my opinion, has been one of, I'm going to say, tw- of the 27 top 20 players we've seen so far this season on the WTA Tour. We can relitigate the the rest of those 26 other names a different time. But it's a really good victory for her. And now you look at her last, what, five events? Uh, f- uh, her last five events, she goes title in the Netherlands, semis in Berlin where she lost to Kvitova, round of 16 Wimbledon, she loses to Sabalenka. Now, tough loss in Cincinnati 0-2, but she was coming off of an injury, writes the ship with the semifinal here this week in Cleveland. So that's, what, five, eight of her last nine, uh, 11 of her last... 13, 11 of her last 14, now three in a row, 14 of her last 17 matches, she's won. Sorry for doing that math with you. Can't cut it out because, again, Westoff's trying to get some rest as well, so you get these podcasts right off the microphone, or hot off the microphone, excuse me. Um, I mean, you look for E-catch, top 25 in hold percentage. She's lagging a little bit behind in break percentage because those ground strokes can get big. But with all due respect to Wang Xinyu, who had more pace than probably Sasnovich or Teague in testing her with her uh, testing that return, when she's on her front foot, she can wallop the ball. It stays low. It's flat. It drives through the court. It's going to be fun to watch her in the semifinals. I'll give you more on Alexandrova if that wasn't already enough tomorrow. But those are my Alexandrova thoughts. Let's move now to the matches I got to see in person. <sighs> who is more impressive? I mean, look, it were three th- straight set matches. This is where I said, who wants it more? Tatiana Maria wants it the most this week. I mean, ah, Sarah Sarivestorva wants it the most this week. And Tatiana Maria has been exceptional. Her ability to win the way she does. I mean, Jamie McDonald would love her because of the forehand slices. She did not miss a bump lob today and just frustrated all hell out of Layla Fernandez. She's the oldest player in the top 50. She might be the fittest. I mean, does not quit on anything. Again, the touch. Does she love to drive through the forehand? No, but she can when she wants to turn into the backhand. She can, and because she doesn't do it very frequently, it catches you off guard whenever she does. She's comfortable moving forward because, again, the hands... She's had two kids. She gets to have them courtside. I watched the warm-up drill her and her daughter were doing, and it was absolutely exceptional. Like, just how much fun they were having tossing the— You know, again, she has a new trainer on her team or a new member of the team. I'm blanking on her. I think it's Laura uh, is her new member. You're not listening to this, but shout-out to you, Laura. She was super kind to me in a conversation we had courtside. Um, You know, Laura's bounce—the way you bounce the tennis balls and, you know, uh, Tatiana Maria is trying to catch them. 
to try and get her reflexes going and activated. She would catch the ball that Laura threw to her, and then she would throw it at her daughter, and her daughter had to catch it. And, like, again, the daughter's probably five, six, uh, old enough to be well aware of what's happening right there. It's just one of those fun moments you get to see when you're in person. And so all of that is to say, as fond as I was of Tatiana Maria's performance from Two Love Down, she won 12 of the next 15 games. Sarah Cerevez Tormo, I'm going to swear, fucking wants it most. I'm sorry. I mean, one in three over Sloan today. There was a look Sloan gave her her coaching box. And I'm not saying this, by the way, to be disrespectful of Sloan's approach today because Sloan had to play two matches today. Sloan was interrupted by a monsoon last night in Cleveland and to have to come out, play a match in blistering, humid conditions this morning, then go back to the hotel, play another match against someone like Sarah Cerebez Tormo, who is death by a thousand paper cuts, who's never met a ball she doesn't think she can track down, who's going to slice you and Nothing you're going to do all day is going to be comfortable because she's going to follow the slice up with a moon ball. Then all of a sudden she's going to drive it and sneak forward. And because she's so quick, she's going to get to the net and knock off the volley. All of that is to say Sloane Stevens gave a look to her box after she broke back for two all in the second set. Went down, I think it was 15-30 or maybe it was even love 15, the very first point in that two all game. And she looked at her box because Cerebus Tormo had a point where she threw like six Not moon balls, but highly elevated over the net, neutral nothing balls, Uh, and just again, it it was a it it was amazing. It 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 just like she was just like I am not in the mood for this tonight. I just that's what Sarah Cerevas Tormo does to you. Uh, And again, the moment, the week. I'm sure Sloan, who came here, got a couple of wins. Very physical match against Lauren Davis in round number one. Follows it up with a good match against the always testy youngster, uh, Mira Andreva. Are always tricky to play the youngster. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, it, it, it's just, again, she's just an elite athlete. And obviously, a bunch of health injuries is why she came into the week ranked number 96. You look at now where she stands after reaching the semifinals here. Cerebus Tormo all the way back up to number 79 in the rankings. She's just, she is athletic enough to be one of the 50 best players in the world. And she will, and that's why, again, she talked about it in a press conference we did. She chose to play this event coming through qualifying to get in as opposed to going to play the 125 in Chicago. A, because she was a semifinalist here. She talks about how what her and her team love, uh, love being here in Cleveland. Um, but B, you know, again, because she's in pursuit of points. She wants to get back into the top 50, get back into the mix. One slam, as significant as it can be in helping you make that jump, you know, she's still looking for confidence. She's still looking for matches. And, you know, certainly she started to find them here towards the end of the week. You look now for Cerebes Tormo. Fourth semifinal of the year, second at the tour level. She did it in Palermo. Now she does it here. She's made five quarterfinals on the season. She's now 22 and 12 overall on the year. You know, again, it, it, she's just starting to right the ship. And athletically, she belongs in that top 50 conversation. She's also a fantastic contrast to the aggressive, traditional power style of tennis you see on the WTA tour because she's going to slice you. She's going to dice you. She's going to. Then rip an inside-in forehand when you least expect it. She, there were a couple of moments where just the exchange at, exchanges at the net, somehow Cerebus Tormo was always the one making the last volley. And again, it, Sloan was 2-0 against Cerebus Tormo coming into the match. You could just tell Sloan, she just, again, 
Cerebus Tormo was desperate for a win today. Desperate to keep this run going. Sloan wasn't... I don't want to say she wasn't in the... You could just tell Sloan was like, nope, she's got me today. That That's the best way. It was an acknowledgement of, yes, you are tenacious enough to take this match. And it was delightful to see. Again, you look for Cerebus Tormo now. Back into the top 80. Certainly belongs there. Second semifinal of the year for her at the tour level. Fourth overall slowly, but surely she starts to work her way back. And again, the battle between her and Tatiana Maria is just going to be freaking war. Maria now 40-22 and 22 overall in the season, winning about 65% of her matches. She's now won 11 of her last 12. You know, Bogota title, Barranquilla 125 title, a Warsaw semifinal as well. She's made nine quarterfinals across levels this year. 36 years old. Two kids later, she matches her career high, number 46 in the world. And, you know, that's without the Wimbledon semifinal points from last season that she's gone on this sort of run. She would have well exceeded 46 with those Wimbledon points added in at any point. But again, no points offered from Wimbledon last season where she did make the semis. Tomorrow's match could be four hours, could be five hours. It might never end. Like, it is just going to be war. And I think I give this... It's going to be war. 7-5 in the third, someone. I'm not even willing to make a prediction. Like, I would give the edge to Cerebus Tormo because she will see the slicing of Tatiana Maria and say, fine, you want to play 30-ball rallies? Let's play 30-ball rallies. I think <sighs> Tatiana Maria is a better volleyer. I like Cerebus Tormo's inside-in and inside-out forehand combination as the best attacking weapon from the ground either of these two possess slightest of edges to Sarah Cerebus Tormo, but I can't emphasize this enough. Slightest, slightest of edges. It's going to be a really fun one. I'm looking forward to that. And then look, ECAT's going to take on one of the best stories of the season, the rise of Julin, the 29-year-old, 48 in the rankings coming into the week. She's going to keep her place in the top 50 after she reaches what is her fourth semifinal of the season, sixth tour-level semifinal of her career. Semifinals in Birmingham, Monterey, title in Huajin, now semifinals here in Cleveland as well. But there wasn't a, tort, a, a ton of clay court success, but about, about a little more than a third of the season, I would say about four-tenths of the season, is on hard courts. Maybe even a little more, maybe half the season when you add it all up. She has played a top 50 hard court season. You make four semi, uh, three semi, uh, two semifinals and win a title on hard courts. I don't care if they're at the 250 level. You belong in the conversation. She lost four in a row entering the event as well. Talk about riding the ship. Wins over Blinkova, Graber, now 4-1 and one over Caroline Garcia. And look, again, Garcia got broken from 40 love up in the opening service game of the match. 3-1, rain comes down. Match resumes about two and a half hours later. No breaks in the opening set. And Garcia was just working on one thing. She was taking, you know, she's one speed. You know what you're getting from Caroline Garcia. She's going to try and take that return early on the rise, going to pressure you whenever the opportunity presents itself. Julian was ready. She read the scouting report. She was so prepared when any passing shot opportunity presented itself. That's the best word I can. She was just so prepared to win this match, and she went out and did it. And so, you know, again, we'll do more on her and ECAT tomorrow. Today was the day was about Maria and Cerebus. I was just fascinated because it's not overwhelming power. They just make the matches so. It's all about the uh, improvisational, and 
that's when tennis can be beautiful, when you never quite know what's coming next. And that's what those two induce into every match that they play. And so it was really fun to watch them work uh, again. Tomorrow's matchups, Julin versus Ekat, Cerebus Tormo versus Maria. Ekat, a 43.4% favorite. Cerebus Tormo second at 27.3. Then Julin, then Tatiana. Maria will let the tennis gods be the judge as we watch all of that action play out tomorrow. That said, let's talk through the two results in Winston-Salem. I know Sebi Korda has subsequently pulled out of tomorrow's semifinal with Yuri Lachetchka, but 7-6 in the third. 9-7 in the breaker over the veteran, Richard Gasquet. He was hitting the serve confidently. You know, again, as the match progressed more and more confidently, he continued to step forward into the court, uh, I thought, particularly behind his forehand, which at times can be a struggle for him. He won 86% of his first serve points. It just, again, when he was on his front foot, he was dominant. Now, again, he only made 50% of his first serves. That's why this match was as close as it was, but... It was, when I say he grew more comfortable on serve, he knew exactly what the game plan was when the first serve went in. And first serve percentage is just the most correctable thing in tennis because it's the ultimate controllable. It's the only thing you do before your opponent touches the ball. I know he pulled out of the match against Lachetchka, who I want to talk about here now, but Sebi Korda, again, he came out and he accomplished what he needed to accomplish. Wins over Bonzi, Fucevic, Gasquet, semifinals under his belt. Now, again, he's got a little momentum heading into the U.S. Open. But speaking of momentum, here's the list of guys age 21 or younger in the top 30. Alcaraz, Runa, I don't know why I pause so dramatically. Alcaraz, Runa, Musetti, and Yuri Lachetchka. Because Yannick Sinner just turned 22. But those are the four. That's a good list to find yourself on if you're Yuri Lachetchka, who, of course, by the way, with his win today now, Lachetchka moves uh, to 41-30 and 30 in his last 52, 33-21 overall this season, but 18-10 and 10 on hard courts. He quarters Australia, semis Doha, losses to Hatchinov. Rude Fritz in his in Miami, Canada, Cincinnati, respectively. He loses to Rublev, by the way, in Indian Wells. So four losses to four top 20 players. Now, maybe even top 12 players. Now, I know he didn't win a set in any of those matches. But, you know, again, against lesser, dare I say, rankings competition in Kruger, the informed Kofer and Purcell, who's very much informed coming off of a quarter in Cincy last week. You know, again. Gets three W's under his belt. Builds that momentum because he's going to be seeded. Or if he's not seeded, he's the most dangerous non-seeded player probably in the U.S. Open. If he is seeded, you know, again, you don't play a top 15 guy until the third round if you're Lachetchka. He should be favored in his first two matches. His serve, his forehand, he can just dominate with those two weapons. And you look for Yuri now, he's holding 85.4% of the time on hard courts this season, 82.4 overall. I mean, again, the 82.4 number, that has him just outside the top 25 across surfaces. But on hard courts, he's a top 20 server overall amongst top 50 players on the ATP Tour. And guess what? We're on hard courts right now. That serve, that forehand combination, I think he can explode through the backhand as well. He's still a little stiff, a little robotic, you know, again, you you know what, it, it's a little telegraphed what he's going to do, but he's got the weapons. You can't fake that, and Lachetchka certainly has them in spades. And so, you know, again, it's unfortunate we're not going to get to see him play Sepi Korda because that would have been a very fun dark horse candidate sort of match. But 
Shout out to Lechechka, 6-4 over Purcell. And again, for Max Purcell, he comes into the U.S. Open ranked at a new career high, number 43, 25 years old. That's right where you want to be. He's just a good athlete. It moves well, strong, aggressive. He's just good. I don't know if he's exceptional at anything on a set on singles court other than his volleys, of course, but he's just good. He belongs in this conversation, in this portion of the rankings. And so, very good week for him. I'm trying to think, did I miss anyone who got, I mean, Gasquet, Holden Strong. Um, we talked about all the other guys yesterday. Mickelson, by the way, knocked out 4-4 four and four by Laszlo Jura, but still Mickelson just racking up tour-level victories. We'll see him at the U.S. Open right now. Alex Mickelson sitting at 127 in the live rankings, 19 years old. It's a good spot for him to find himself as he ter- begins his pro career. I mean, we've done Vukic talk. We've done Kofor talk plenty, so... That's where things stand. That's who wanted it most here on Thursday, August 24th. Now, again, U.S. Open content, previewing it. We'll start firing tomorrow on the Great Shot podcast feed, so be on the lookout for that. A shout-out, as always, to Westoff, who makes all of our content possible here at Crack Rackets. A shout-out to Tennis Point as well, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all of that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Garuskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.